Welcome to Christ Community Church. Um, I'm Andrew Jones, for those of you who don't know me. Um, uh, we are studying this summer on stewardship. And the last five weeks, we've been focusing on money and how do we steward the money that God's given to us. Um, for the next two weeks, we're going to take a little break, and we're actually going to talk about another area where we need to steward, and that is our time, All right? <clears throat> and just like with money, um, we have to have a shift in kind of a countercultural thinking on how we manage our time. Just like money, um, a lot of times we get into this kind of groove or this just way of living of, I get all this money and I might take out this little portion over here. I might give that to God, but all the rest of this over here, that's all mine. And that's not right. Okay, so we have to have this kind of countercultural shift in thinking that actually the way this works is all of this this whole thing is God's. This, all of this is time. So if the Lord grants us two more weeks, uh, we'll be getting into time over the next two weeks. So I'm uh, really glad to be able to have, been, uh, the, have the opportunity to teach this particular lesson um, this morning because of all the people that I know, I'm the one who needed this the most. So... We're not the owners of our time. We're not the owners of our money. God is. And that's a big, that's a big, big piece of where we're, we're going. Um, you know, some people think that, you know, I'm obligated to use some of my time working because I need to eat, or I'm obligated to use some of my, my time in church because I'm a Christian. And then when all that's left over, uh, that's me time. Um, and I'm, of, I'm most guilty of, of thinking that. So this has been a really good study for me to really um, confront some, some sin issues in my own heart. And I'm glad to be able to, to, be able to bring this to you today. So, um, you know, that, that kind of thinking really does not fit into the stewardship model that we've been discussing over the last five weeks. Um, you know, in 1 Corinthians 4, it says, What do you have that you did not receive? If you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Every minute of our lives is a trust from God. Um, there's no such thing as me time, and that's, that's something that I've really had to, to, to think about. Um, hopefully, as we get through this lesson, you'll think about some of that too. Um, so really, uh, this mini-series, the next two weeks, is really going to focus on time, but it's really going to focus in on, if you've got your seminar sheet, rest. Okay, So we're going to talk about rest, God's purposes for rest. Um, and there's a good reason for that. Um, you see, it's, it's with rest that the question of who owns my time really hits home. Like I said, every minute we have is a trust from God, a stewardship from Him, and this includes our rest. So the purpose of rest isn't to finally do whatever we want, as if we're the owner. God's the owner, and we rest for His purposes. But even as Christians, our sinful nature resists that shift in that mindset. Um, 
For example, we can agree that rest for the Christian isn't about me time. Okay, we've already kind of figured that out. But let's, let's look at that statement that's there written for you on your, on your sheet. Um, the purpose of rest is to recharge us for the real work God gives to us. So I'm going to let you just take a second, read that sentence again, think about it, and see if you can find something in there that might not be 100% accurate thinking, maybe wrong thinking. The purpose of rest is to recharge us for the real work God gives us. Does anybody want to kind of share out something that they may have thought of? What might not be 100% accurate? All right, I'm going to help. So if we think about that phrase, the real work God gives us, we've got to go back. Who owns all of our time? Who's in control of all of our time? God, all right? And God is working in us all the time. And so if we have to make a, 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 like a delineating, um, this is rest, this is the real work, that's separating out that rest isn't part of what God has for us as gospel work, okay? Um, rest is part of the real work that God gives to us. Um, it's incomplete. Rest does, does more than recharge us. And it also, it assumes part of our time is separate from our stewardship, like all of our time is God. So rest is part of the real work God gives to us. So that's a, that's a key point for today. You might want to write that down. Rest is part of the real work that God gives to us. Um, rest does more than just recharge us. As we'll see towards the end, rest can also be a, a, a place to worship. And then... If we think of it in that way, there's a, there's a separation between rest and what God has for us. But actually, all of our time is God's. So we're going to shift our scope now to the Bible and what the Bible says. And we're going to see what the Bible says about rest. Um, and then kind of with that foundation in place, we're going to um, look for the purposes of rest. And then we're going to kind of finish with uh, a little exercise to um, think about how how we might steward um, some of the rest that we might uh, receive from the Lord. Okay, so let's, let's jump into the text. We're going to jump into the second bullet point there, the Bible's teaching on rest. Um, I would ask you, if you hadn't looked at your page, you know, where might you find in the Bible the first instance of rest? And I'm sure the majority of people would be able to say, in Genesis, right? So if we look in Genesis 2, um, we find the Bible's first mentioning of rest. And it says this, um, it's when God completes his creation. He says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So that's pretty neat. The reason that God made it holy, the reason God blessed it and made it holy was because that's the day that he rested. 
Um, so what are we really to make of that? One thing to notice is that the seventh day of creation was different than the first six. Um, on the seventh day, God created. God created. Um, right? And so, but on the seventh day, he rested. And uh, what we know is that that doesn't mean that he ceased to be involved in his creation. Um, right? He, he didn't cease involvement. He did just hands off. Uh, because in, even in John 5, it says, My father is working until now, and I am working. But really what it means is God stopped his creative work. Um, and so rest doesn't always mean a cessation of all activity. It can sometimes refer to ceasing from doing a specific activity. Um, there's a second thing to notice here in, in this Genesis passage, and that's that rest has no end. Um, on the first sixth day, there's an end. Um, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. That goes for the first six days. It has a beginning and an end. And then there's no evening ever mentioned for that seventh day. And it seems that the day of God's rest is a day without end. So God's rest is something that's lasting. I might write that down. God's rest is something that's lasting. The next major appearance uh, of rest in the Bible is in Exodus. And this is where God introduces the actual idea of, of Sabbath rest. Okay, the Hebrew word sabbat or for Sabbath means to stop or to cease. Now we normally think of uh, Sabbath rest as something that, that happens once a week. And, and we kind of get into that mentality of Sabbath is just a the Sabbath, Sabbath day is one day a week. Um, but the seventh day of the week wasn't the only Sabbath for Old Testament Israel. For example, Leviticus 16 says um, that the Day of Atonement was a Sabbath of rest. And even in Leviticus 25, we know that Israel observed a Sabbath year, a whole year. So, I mean, we know, and we know it can't just mean we're, we're stopping activity. Um, we're just stopping everything. So why was the Sabbath important? It's interesting to note that each time the Ten Commandments, this is really neat, each time the Ten Commandments are listed in Scripture, a different reason for the Sabbath is given. All right? So in Exodus 20, God tells his people to keep the Sabbath because in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, God blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. So what we read in, from that Genesis passage. So the first time is Israel is supposed to keep the Sabbath because God rested in his creation. That's the first time. Um, then we see, this is really neat, in Deuteronomy 5, this is where the law is actually given. Um, God says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So we see the two differences here. The first one is that we're supposed to observe this, or Israel is supposed to observe the Sabbath because God is a creating God and he rested. And then here, this is a deliverance. Okay? It's big. It's, uh, this is a big picture. Um, God delivered them from their slavery in Egypt. Um, and in fact, in delivering Israel from their slavery, he gave them the promised land, right? 
Um, the promised land was also seen as a kind of rest, a rest from their enemies. Um, Deuteronomy 12 says, For you have not as yet come to rest and to the inheritance that the Lord God is giving you. This rest and inheritance was, was Canaan. So God delivered them. That's a, a, the second time. And you know, the, the thing with all of this is that none of the reasons given for resting on the Sabbath is meant to be ceasing of activity, which we kind of, I don't know if it's just maybe um, Americanized or something, I'm not sure, but um, it's not meant to be a ceasing of activity. Instead, they were about stopping one kind of work to engage in another. They were to stop their daily work to worship and enjoy God for who he is and what he's done. Israel was to rest from their work on the Sabbath, but if they just stayed in their bed or their, their house all day, and then they didn't observe the full observance of the Sabbath because Israel was to gather together, right? we've got to go and do that. Um, that's Leviticus 23. In Psalm 92, there's songs to be sung on the Sabbath. We're supposed to sing and worship. Um, it, it praised and celebrated God as faithful and holy and it remembered his works of creation and deliverance. Um, that's kind of um, the big... I want to write that down, because I think you should write it down too. Um, creation and deliverance. Those are two big pieces here. So this idea this, that rest isn't cessation, but about enjoyment of God, it builds as we move through the Bible. There's something about God's plan for his people, which isn't just about a physical rest from labor, but actually about entering into his rest. And Psalm 95 hints at that. He says, um, therefore, when we think about the rebellion of Israel in the desert, um, this is the, what the psalm's about. Uh, it says, therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now, to further explain that, the author of Hebrews quotes Psalm 95. Um, Hebrews 3 and 4 show that the reason that first generation Israel didn't enter into the promised land was because of their unbelief. And even if they had entered the promised land, that land itself never fully encompassed God's rest. Hebrews 4 says, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. The promised land wasn't the ultimate rest that God intends to give people. Um, Neither, neither is the earthly celebration of, of God on a Sabbath day. Um, no rest that God finally intends for his people is actually the rest of faith. Matthew 11, 28, um, Jesus, who is the Lord of the Sabbath, says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Through faith, we rely on Christ's work instead of our own. 
Um, this is central to the gospel message. It's amazing to see how <laughs> the simple concept of rest is developed in, uh, through the Bible until it becomes actually the core of the, of the gospel. Um, it's another reason why this is a good reminder for me because there's still times that I really struggle with. If I do this, I'm going to be more holy. If I do this, I'm going to be more loved by God. And that's, that's not accurate. If I'm relying on my work, that's not the gospel, right? I think maybe some of us here struggle with that too. So um, the, the cool thing is that we can experience that rest now. And uh, it will be fully realized in the future. So there's this beautiful thing that God's given to us. Um, you know, I think, I can't remember the, the exact place in, in the New Testament it says, but Jesus says, you know, I am the eternal life. You know, and so we can experience that now. We can experience that rest now. And we will fully realize it in the future. Um, Hebrews 4 says, For we who have believed enter that rest. We come to know this rest of security and peace right now through a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ and, and viewing the work of Christ rightly. Because if I'm still working on my own and trying to make up for my sin, it's never going to work. And I'm going to continuously feel uh, not at rest. So I'm going to feel like I've got to continue to do and do and do and work and work and work. So it's about that right relationship with God through Jesus Christ and viewing that, what Christ has done rightly. Um, but then also, in Hebrews 4, this is a really interesting thing. It says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. We work hard today. This is really, this is a great, you might write this down. I think you might, should write it down. It says, we work hard today. Resting on Christ's finished work so that we can enjoy God's rest in heaven, having perfect harmony with him. So we're working hard. We're, we're, we're running the race. We're walking in obedience. We work hard today, resting on Christ's finished work. That's the channel in which we work. Because we, we know that Christ has accomplished, accomplished it. And we know that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. We are working hard through the power of the Spirit. Um, resting on Christ's finished work so that we can enjoy God's rest now and in heaven because we have that perfect harmony with Him. As Christians, we're future heirs of this promised rest. But in the present, we live by faith in light of that rest. I think for me, some of the most um, I don't know, just a picture of the gospel, but really, truly meaningful times are um, when, I, when I really just sit and think about Christ's finished work and that I don't have to strive because um, I'm just so prone to that. And um, that rest is a, a beautiful thing for God's, God's children, for those who believe. So if we're still awaiting a future rest, um, then we would, we'd expect to find that concept kind of toward um, the end in Revelation in the Bible. And, and Revelation 14 does talk about this. He talks about 
those in eternal torment, and they say, we have no rest. We have no rest, day or night. Um, these worshipers of the beast and its these worshipers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name have no rest. It's a difference between those who are um, with Christ. Two verses later, we see that those who die in the Lord are blessed with that rest. It says, "Blessed indeed," says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. They may rest. So, that's rest from Genesis through Revelation. And at this point, um, you may be thinking that uh, the biblical idea of rest sounds great, but exhausting. We rest from one activity only to engage in another. And I guess that might be uh, a nice thing for a type A personality. I know, Holmes, you don't sleep much because you're a goer. Um, But but what about for some of those people who are are type B? Um, There's one more theme in Scripture that we kind of need to look at before we kind of get into the application piece, but um, that's like physical rest, because we do do need physical rest. And and just as we saw, when we rest, we imitate God who also rested. And so it's good to rest. Um, So we we share that similarity with God. We participate with God and share that. Um, But the theme of physical rest... Um, we need to sleep. And that's kind of that's different. Um, you know, sleep is something that God didn't do. That's something that we have to do. That kind of is a big difference. Um, it really, sleep really emphasizes our difference from God. If God doesn't sleep, Psalm, Psalm says, Behold, God, who keeps Israel, will neither slumber nor sleep. Um, however, I need to sleep. Um, and I'm sure most of you sleep, at least some. Some of us require little. Others require more. Um, but Psalm 4 says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So when we sleep, we make evident our dependence on God. Uh, we can sleep well because God is trustworthy. At the end of the day, our security isn't found in our circumstances. And we trust that as we sleep, God um, will sustain us and, and watch over us until we wake again in the morning. So Jesus encourages his followers to get rest. In Mark 6, the apostles return from their first ministry journey, and Jesus says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Um, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Um, I, uh, I'm a, a principal of an elementary campus, and I can, my wife can vouch for me that uh, once school starts back up in August, uh, I'll come home and I'm just zonked because I'm going, 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 and there's no time to eat even. Um, You've you got to get in that kind of routine, but, man, uh, I, I, I can imagine the apostles coming back from their first ministry journey and being just exhausted. And that kind of, uh, they need that rest. This kind of human physical rest, it's needed to recover. It's a good and it's a godly thing. God knows, the scripture says God knows our frame. He knows our weaknesses and is merciful. He mercifully gives us that respite. So what are some of our our main takeaways from all of this? Um, There's kind of three that I would, would point out to you. 
Uh, first, rest in the Bible is mainly about having a right relationship with God and being reconciled to Him. That's the first. If we persist in unbelief, God's wrath is going to rest on us in judgment. And we know from what we've read, in that place there is no rest. Um, ever. There's no rest. But if we live by faith in Jesus and what He's done for us, and God's Spirit rests on us in blessing. And it'd be wrong to think that the Sabbath and God's rest are mainly about us and our rest. And instead, they're actually pointing to the ultimate rest that we enjoy in heaven. Um, because, like I said, we get to experience it now, but it will also be that fully consummated um, in heaven, that final rest. The second thing is that rest in the Bible isn't merely a ceasing of activity, but a ceasing of one activity so that we can engage in another, primarily enjoying God and his goodness. So, for example, when we enter heaven, we'll rest from our difficult labor in this fallen world only to move on to joyfully laboring in the presence of God. But without the curse, the, the work that we do now has thorns and thistles. It has lots of hard things for us to get past. I mean, it won't be like that. Um, we're not just going to be sitting on a cloud in heaven. We're not just going to be um, in some ethereal space. Um, no, heaven is a place full of activity. Um, we'll praise God with our words. We see that in Revelation 15. We'll praise him with our work. Isaiah 65 describes heaven as a place where they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit for like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. So it's not just some rest on a cloud like the cart you see in a cartoon. It's not like that. We're going to be working. We're going to be doing. But it's not going to be um, with thorns and thistles. And then the third thing I'd, I'd point out is that rest in the Bible shows us more of who God is and who we are. So we need physical rest to recover and rejuvenate, um, even as we sleep. Um, we've got to remember that the difference there is that God never sleeps. Um, God doesn't have to recuperate. God, um, while God's independent of all things, all things are dependent on Him. Those are the, those are the three big takeaways from looking at what the Scripture says about that rest. So we're going to jump into uh, part three, which is rest and its purpose. Because um, this really kind of comes where we start to really apply um, this to ourselves. And we need to remember a couple of truths from earlier in these seminars that are kind of central to this next piece. First is that God owns everything. The time we spent sleeping Last night belongs to him. The time that you'll spend playing some silly game on your phone this afternoon belongs to him. Or some, you know, game later this evening with a control. You know, all of this time belongs to God. And the second of that, second piece is that we're stewards of that. Um, and one day we're going to have to give an account to God for all that he's entrusted us with, which includes our time. In Ephesians 5, it tells us, to make the best use of the time because the days are evil. So in thinking about God's purpose for rest, 
to think, how does rest help us make the best use of our time? How does rest help us make the best use of our time? So you can see from Mark 6, 31 in your handout, rest helps us recover from our labor. Rest is a way that we recharge. It's where sleep is helpful. During sleep, our minds process all the information we've received during the day. It stores up different memories. Our bodies are restored and rejuvenated as the tissue gets repaired. That muscle gets rebuilt. Physiological stuff that happens. Uh, Muscles grow. Uh, As we saw earlier, this is one of the big differences between us and God. We need to rest and recover from work. He never does. Part B says, from Isaiah 40, rest shows our dependence on God. It really kind of leads in from A to B. Resting shows that God doesn't need us to always work, which is important because a lot of times, especially me, um, I get into this thought that God really needs me to do this. Believe it or not, God can manage just fine without us. That's a, that's a gut punch for some of us. Because we like to think that if we just go, go, go. Um, God, God can manage just fine without us. God accomplishes far more by himself than we ever can because none of us were there when God created the heavens and the earth, which is one of the biggest mysteries that is. Creation of something out of nothing. You know, it shows that we trust his wisdom in the constraints that he's given to us. Our limitations are actually a gift from God. Um, limitations keep us from becoming self-reliant. And like I talked about in my struggle earlier, that self-peace is that reliant on your self-worth is not going to get you there. Uh, they teach us to look to God for strength. In Isaiah chapter 40, it says... God does not faint or grow weary. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. God does that. There are many people in this world who who rest too easily. I would think that um, you know, um, you know there, there may be many people in our city or our state or country, or, and there may be cities all over the, the country who are like this, but um, or maybe the, kind of be the exact opposite of that. Many of us resent the need for rest. We try to burn the candle from both ends, and it's only with uh, a great reluctance we kind of stumble into bed because we want to just keep going. Um, Well, if you're like that, I'd encourage you to think about rest differently. Instead of focusing on what rest does to your productivity, um, you may try to shift your thinking, kind of countercultural, like we talked about at the beginning, and and think about it. What does it say about God? What does it say about God? Instead of fighting against the rest that you need, you may be... Enjoy it as a daily reminder that, that you're not God and that you're reliant upon him. That might be one way to do that. Um, besides, only God 
gets his to-do list done every day. Um, it's, it's important to note that in the Bible, the opposite of rest isn't work. The opposite of rest is not work. It's restlessness. It's anxiety. Um, worry. And I'm sure there are people in this room who struggle with restlessness, worry, and anxiety. That's not the rest that God calls us to. Um, Ultimately, um, you know, that path kind of leads to that self-righteousness that we don't need to rely on on the Lord. When we begin to fully accept the limitations that God's built into us, it shows that we trust him um, and doesn't all depend on me and what I can do. And, And that's a really good thing. We should, we should praise God that it doesn't depend on, on us, right? I'm going to skip down a little bit here. You know, as, as, we, as we end our days and, and get into bed and our fatigue, um, that can be a good reminder that God doesn't need us to carry out his plans because we have limitations, and thank goodness that, um, you know, God's not saying, thank goodness God's not saying, oh, man, Andrew, I could never have gotten that done with if it wasn't for him. Um, instead, God takes pleasure in how our work has shown off what he's done in us by his spirit. And he receives the glory. And he um, gives us the privilege and the joy as a steward to participate in that sovereign purpose. But he gets the glory for that. And then the, and the third, um, rest um, encourages us to enjoy God, right? The part C. Um, in First Timothy, rest helps us to light in the goodness of God, being God, um, friends. Um, you know, that's what we're doing right now. We are, on Sundays, kind of setting aside time from our daily work schedule to engage in the work of corporate worship. And that's, that's good. It's a remind. We remind ourselves of God's truth, um, and we're encouraged together by corporate singing and, and corporate worship as we meet together and we fellowship. And, and that's a way to enjoy God's rest. Um, it's how we enjoy some, I mean, today would be a day of leisure, right? But we're still here. We're doing what God calls us to. Um, you know, in First Timothy 4, it says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. This is a really big, important piece of, of this talk today, this seminar today. This verse, 1 Timothy 4, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Nothing's to be rejected. 1 Timothy 6 goes even further and says it's to be enjoyed as long as we remember that, as long as we remember, if it's received with thanksgiving, as long as we remember that creation is to be a conduit to our creator. That's a huge, that's a huge piece of today. And as we do that, our hearts swell with thanksgiving and we delight in the goodness of our creator. Um, and that's how one particular form of rest or leisure, um, which we may think as being self-serving, could actually be worship. So for me, uh, a walk in the woods or a, a trip to the river can be worship 
Remember, as the Scripture says, if it's received with thanksgiving, and as we re- long as we remember that creation is to be a conduit to the Creator. Or it may be that you really enjoy the rest that a trip to the art museum or a fun conversation with a friend or a particular sporting event. Um, those can be worship as long as it's received with thanksgiving and as long as we remember that, that creation can be a conduit to that worship. These can be an opportunity to discover and celebrate the goodness of God who made them. And then this fourth this, uh, letter D here, this is really, really important. Rest helps us build relationships with others. Good stewardship in God's side is heavily invested in relationships. This is really important. This is, this is one of the reasons why we try to, do, um, try to encourage people to do dinner clubs during the summer. kind of goes hand in hand with this. Um, good stewardship in God's side is heavily invested in relationships and building those relationships. Money in, is inherently relational either on how we use it or who we transact with. And likewise, health is essential to serving others. Um, you know, our, our time um, required for building healthy relationships with others is important. And so one key purpose for rest and leisure is to serve those relationships. Um, you know, the Sabbath rest was a communal uh, activity. It's not just an individual one. We're, we're here together. We're joining together as the body. And, and the same will be true for rest in heaven. It will be communal. So it's important to see enjoyment and strengthening of relationships as one of God's purposes for rest. And God gives us time. I really believe God builds time into our lives so we can invest in relationships with others. Because, it's, I mean, that's how we as Christians are able to go through this life together, encouraging each other, pulling each other along, helping each other up, high-fiving in the, in, in the good times. It's, life's not meant to be lived alone. And so I think that God really does build that, and it's part of rest. You know, you maybe not have thought of rest in this way before, um, that it can be God-honoring. And no doubt, a leisure activity can be sinful. Um, remember, uh, it's got to be viewed in the heart and with your mind in the right way. But any leisure activity um, that's not sinful can have a God-honoring purpose. You know, we also got to be careful because um, going and in, in, engaging in that leisure activity may not be the best stewardship of the time that we have. We have to really, you know, have a discerning spirit to be able to, to determine, like, what is, what's the best use of our time? We need to evaluate our activity. We need to ask a couple of questions when we do that. The first is that, Number one at the bottom of this page. Are there areas where this activity is leading me to sin, even if the activity itself isn't sinful? I think that's a really helpful question to ask yourself whenever you um, are thinking through a particular activity. And then, is this activity the most God-glorifying way to steward my time? Um, As we saw uh, with the parable of the talents in the first week, our job as stewards is to make the most of the opportunities that God gives to us. 
That means looking across our money, our time, our energy, our skills, our relationships, and determining what combination of investment will best honor God with our lives. We were called to give our whole selves to God, not just our money or our time or a single resource. So, you know, spending $10,000 to go skiing in Colorado can be a legitimate activity that can bring glory to God. Um, it, it, and it may be the best use of, of that money and time, but I need to compare it across other ways to invest that time or money before I decide that that's the direction that I need to take, and especially as dads, as we lead our families. Um, when I do that, my, my metric for comparing different op- options um, is faithfulness, and that's a good thing to do. So you have to kind of consider what, to what extent am I losing, or what, to what extent am I using the opportunities that God's given me to show off his faithfulness, goodness, and love. Um, got about one or two more minutes, so I'm going to try to do this quickly. Um, really want to kind of end with kind of, just kind of a thought, make you think about um, how you might steward your time. So kind of I'm going to give you a situation, kind of think, have you think through it, okay? So as we think about the situation, you have a free Saturday afternoon. Free Saturday afternoon. What are you going to do? So one of the things that you could do is you could um, serve as a volunteer at First Choice Pregnancy Center or maybe go and serve at church under the bridge. So those are a couple of things that some people from our congregation do. Um, or you may go to Dallas and go to, and maybe it's the fall. Let's imagine it's the fall um, or maybe even the following. Well, you could go to a Dallas Cowboy game or the spring or you can go to the Dallas Cowboy game. Or maybe you could go take your boat and go out to the lake and fish it up. It sounds like I love fishing, this FYI. Um, so we've got to think of that. Going to the game or being outdoors, um, it could help you recharge. It could help you recharge your mind, your body after a tiring week. Um, it could be necessary to build relationships if you're going with somebody. Um, it could bring you great joy just to be outside uh, with a rod and a reel in your hand, and it makes you more mindful of God. And in other words, you, you worship there um, while you're on the water or at the game. Um, so we've kind of articulated today that that stewardship purpose for going fishing um, in, those, in those kind of bullets. But the, the kind of follow-up question is a little bit harder. Um, so the question is, how might going to the game or fishing for the, the stewardship purposes look different how, from how an unbeliever might ordinarily enjoy a game or fishing? It might not look different on the outside at all. Um, I'm going to be going through the same motions as catching fish, right? Enjoying the celebration and being outside in the sunshine um, or cheering at a game, you know? But the difference is here. It's it's heart issue. Um, we're not doing it for selfish reasons or for sinful reasons um, because fishing is an idol where we have to keep it in the context like we talked about from that first timothy passage 
Um, we're receiving it with thanksgiving, and we're remembering that creation is to be a conduit to the Creator. And that's some beautiful ways that um, the Lord allows us to rest in His creation and in things that He's created um, to help us. So let's pray today and, and end this session together. God, we are grateful that you, in your goodness, um, allow us to see that things are not dependent upon us, and that you give us rest, and that you also give us the hope of eternal rest. And help us to, this week, um, be cognizant of how we spend our time, what, how we're resting. Um, help us to be mindful of, of, of what we're doing and, and how it honors you and our thoughts and how they are drawn back to worship and the things that you've created. Just help us this week to just be more mindful of all that you've done for us. Help us to worship you with, with joy and gladness this week. Thank you for your son and his sacrifice on the cross for us and that by believing in him, we can have rest now and forever. In his name we pray, amen.